Um, hopefully you have recovered from the robust version of dodgeball last night. <laughs> like, I didn't think, yeah, I mean, you get a bunch of dudes in the dodgeball ring, man. We, we do that at, uh, at athlete retreats, college athletes, and it's absolute mayhem, like last night. Uh, so, what are we doing here this morning? People keep asking me because they're trying to make decisions. Do they want to come to this one or that one? So I'm getting to kind of rethink, what are we doing this morning? <laughs> you know, and why? Why are we doing what, what, what we're doing? And so let me just say this to, to start. Um, this is a message that I've been saying to myself for like the last 10, 15 years. I don't remember really when this started. But I found myself so much on the opposite end of what we're going to talk about this morning as a Christian and started to get very convicted just about the way I interact with life in an ungrateful way, okay? So that's where this is coming from largely, and I still feel like it's, it's a message that I wake up with some aspect of it every day. I have to. Uh, so, of course, when I get an opportunity to, to stand up and talk to guys, this is a central message that I keep coming back to, okay? So, near and dear to my heart because I have a broken heart. Um, so... So maybe this is a little over 10 years ago, too. I was part of a leadership team that got to go down to Atlanta to visit with the Chick-fil-A uh, leadership dudes, like the people that run Chick-fil-A. Okay? One of our guys had a relationship to one of their guys. And so, like, guys, the Chick-fil-A campus is just awesome. Has anybody ever been down there before? A couple of you? Yeah. Do any of you guys work for Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Some, have you been to Chick-fil-A? Good. You work for Chick-fil-A or have worked at Chick-fil-A. I want to know if you know what I'm about to say. Okay, so listen to what I'm about to say. So we're meeting with their leadership team, and we're talking about, you know, how to lead people and kind of decisions that they've made uh, that's kind of helped them become what they are because they were already huge 10 years ago. Of course, they've only gotten bigger. But as I'm sitting there listening, um, they kept referencing, and almost no matter what we talked about, this idea of two crucial pickles kept getting talked about. They kept throwing in this, this two crucial pickles idea, two crucial pickles. And at a certain point, like, and I'm that guy, okay, at a certain point, I'm like, you guys keep mentioning two crucial pickles. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it was like, it was like a movie moment where everybody in the room turned and looked at me. <laughs> like I had just like, had just used profanity or, you know, I had just had condemned the chicken industry or something. I'm like, no, I just want to know what the crucial pickles are all. <laughs> like, what, what is this? Seriously. And the one guy said, we talk about the two crucial pickles because on every Chick-fil-A sandwich, there are two pickles that we add that make our sandwich the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And again, I'm like, dude, like I've never even noticed any pickles on your sandwich, okay? <laughs> But this, before, now they have added some other things now where you can get lettuce and tomato and everything, but there was a time where you, there was nothing else on their sandwich but these two, what they called, crucial pickles. Because if you didn't have the pickles on it, then it's just a chicken sandwich, okay? And again, he's going on and explaining this. But our two pickles are what make our sandwich separate from all the rest. Okay, so I recovered from that shame moment, and I've never forgotten it, but... What struck me in that, and I, I use this a lot, is in the Christian life, 
there are certain characteristics or certain markings that have to be true about people that are following after Jesus. I keep saying being Jesus guys, right? If you're a Jesus guy, there should be certain characteristics that are, that are true about you that set you apart from everybody else. Okay, we've already said we're all sinners. There's certain things that we hold in common with everybody in the world. But once you become a Jesus guy, there's certain markings where people should be able to say, that's what a Jesus guy is like. Okay? And so gratitude is, is one of those characteristics. Gratitude is the type of, of characteristic that actually marks us or has to be a part of our life if we're going to experience the abundant life that Jesus promises. See, and that's something that I just, I, I just never really thought about that until a few years ago. That if I'm going to experience the abundant life that Jesus said I could have in him, it's got to include some aspect of regular and ongoing gratitude. I'll show you why in a minute. That's what we're going to look at. If I want to leave a legacy behind that's, that is marked as being Christian, gratitude actually, it can't be optional. And see, this is how I think I'd always treated it before. as just sort of this optional add-on thing. And it's like, no. Jesus and everything that goes on in the New Testament, really, if you start to see it all across the Bible, that God's people are marked specifically by having a posture of gratitude in the way they move through the world. Okay? So let's, we're going to look at a passage in Luke. We're going to look at this situation with the lepers that Eric talked about yesterday. So open up, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 17. I'm just going to use this story as a launching point, really, to think about gratitude, doing a little investigation of what is the Bible saying about gratitude and why. And as always, guys, like, use this as a time to kind of assess your own heart. You know, where, where are you in response to the idea of gratitude? Because what we're going to look at, honestly, may be a greater indicator of your spiritual maturity than almost anything else we're going to look at. Okay. So that's enough to start. Let's walk through this passage in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And we'll just take our time and go through here. And again, let's try to, let's try to go back into the story and, and feel what's going on here. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. It's one of the things that I love about Jesus. I, this is like bonus here. But, you, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans hate each other. Like, they despise each other so much so that a, a normal Jewish person would never pass along on the road between uh, Judea and Samaria. They would go around it so they could stay completely away from Samaria. And I love the fact that Jesus, over and over again, just like Eric talked about yesterday, he's doing what other people don't expect him to do. He's not playing by the, the rules that everybody else plays by. He's trying to get us to view ourselves and everybody else around us completely differently. He wants us to see from a God's eye view. And that's super important with where this winds up at the end of this section, okay? It says, so as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, ha have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Lepers. Just hit pause here for a second. I was thinking about this this morning, even in light of what Eric talked about. You know, Jesus, uh, Eric talked about the guy who was demon-possessed who lived in the cemetery, right, in a bad way. Well, the lepers, if you had leprosy, you were maybe just a step removed from those guys, 
in, in their minds, okay? What is leprosy? You know, somebody tell us what leprosy is. It's a skin disease, okay? That's really, it's actually a nerve disease, okay? That ends up showing itself through the skin. And, and, and it's a deadening of the nerves that starts to cause lesions on your skin over time. Almost like if you have diabetes, if you have a bad case of diabetes, it, you know, you're, you, you start to get infections in different parts of your body. Your fingers, you can go on Wikipedia and look it up and see all kinds of pictures of people that have it. You, your, your fingers maybe start to shrink up. You lose toes. It's just a horrible disease. It still exists today, but we can treat it today. And for Jewish people, if you had leprosy, see, it wasn't just a medical condition for them, but it was a, it was a spiritual condition. They believed if you had leprosy, there was some kind of sin. And you see this show up like in John 9 and in other parts of, the, of, the, of Jesus' journey, uh, among people that they really believed if you were really sick or you really had something wrong with you physically, there was probably a spiritual reason for that. So lepers were the outcasts of society. In fact, if you go back and look at Leviticus 13, there's a whole bunch of rules and, and uh, you know, all these admonitions for what you do if you have leprosy and you have to be separated from the community. You got to call out unclean. When people come around, you're the one that has to say that you're unclean to warn people to stay away from me. Because if you come near me, you also will become unclean. Okay, it's a horrible existence. They're separated from friends, from family, from everything in community. So just think about what that would be like. It's, it's a horrible way to live. At the very least, they gather with each other, and that's their community, is other people who are completely outcast, who are sick and actually suffering, and have nobody really that's there to help them. So it makes sense that have mercy would be the call of these guys if they had one shot at Jesus. Maybe they've heard, right? They've heard through the grapevine about who Jesus is and what he's been doing, and so they've got this one shot. I love people who take their one shot when Jesus is coming around, okay? And this is theirs. Have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, okay? Why would he tell them to go show themselves to the priest? Well, if you go and you look in Leviticus 14, when somebody gets healed of leprosy or the leprosy starts to go away, they have to go and report to the priest so that the priest can check them over, basically, and declare them back, able to go back into society. So by Jesus saying, go and, go and show yourself to the priest, which is interesting, he doesn't say anything else to them. Go show yourself to the priest implies you're about to get your wish. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. Awesome moment. But then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is unbelievable. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Not only was he a leper, but he was also part of this hated, this racial caste that was hated. By Jewish people. He was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered and he said, Gosh, weren't there ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to the man, Rise and go well. Your faith has made you well. So let's let's ask ourselves. Jesus asked the question. Let's ask ourselves, where are the other nine? 
this is a good moment just to, again, try to, try to put your mind back and be one of, the le- one of the nine that didn't come back. Where are you? And why have you not come back? Real question. Let's hear some thoughts. Okay. They were looking for, they were looking for what they could get, which is totally fair. They're like, like, we're free now. Again, it doesn't say how long they were in this condition, but, man, if it was any length of time, the, the opportunity to, like, get back to normal life, right? Yeah, they want to go back and see their family and friends. Explain that. Okay. <laughs> it's very possible that one of them is some, some crazy way thinking that. Good. They're just being obedient. They're just doing what he, what he told them to do. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there isn't anything wrong with anything that we just said on the surface. Keep going. What else? Okay, so it just, it's just all about them. Good way to say it. All about them. You got a hand back there. Go ahead. In the dark. Yeah, use your phone. It's really dark back there. Go ahead. Oh, okay, maybe they went and they're, they're ready to go share the good news with somebody else. Yeah, people did that. Didn't come back to Jesus right away. It's a good list. Green. Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really say that they did. But they're on their way to somewhere. Yeah. So we're not sure. We're giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're being obedient. Go ahead. That the other ones were Jews? Yeah, he's saying only the Samaritan came back, and maybe he's pointing that out. And I don't know why only the Samaritan would have come back. Maybe because he felt doubly thankful. Because of all people, he was the least that deserved it. Felt entitled. We're going to come back to that word. A couple more, and then we'll keep going. See, it's not too difficult to make this list, is it? Because we get it. Hat. Say, yeah. Okay, maybe this Samaritan didn't even have family or friends to go back to. Yeah, so he didn't have any. He really, not only did he not have a life as a leper, he didn't have much of a life before he got leprosy. Okay. So it's easy for him to go back. The other guy's got to get back and get on with life. I see a hand there and right here, and then we're going to stop. Talk about being short-sighted. What do you mean by that? Yeah, good. Foxhole Christianity kind of thing. Yeah, like in the foxhole, people get right, right? with God. And then when you survive it, it's just like, no, just immediately can forget and get on with things. It totally makes sense, right? We understand that. Last one, what are you going to say? Nice and loud. They actually went back to the, to the priests, the Pharisees and stuff like that, and the priests probably took credit and got, got them to the law. Okay, so he's saying they, they maybe they just went back to the priests, and the priests got credit for it, and, and so Jesus just kind of gets left behind. Okay, so here's, here's what's interesting to me. I, that's a good list. Some of you are thinking of other things, and you're just not wanting to raise your hand, right? It, it's amazing how many reasons there are not to come back. 
And Jesus doesn't actually condemn them. He's not condemning the other nine. He's just putting on a pedestal the one who, unless he didn't have anybody to go back to or any of these other things, again, I, I would guess he, he would have his own mental list of things he wants to go do next, <laughs> even if he didn't have a life before. But in light of that whole list, he stopped and said, let me turn my consciousness to express gratitude to the one that just set me free. And Jesus seems to be saying that was a good decision. Not condemning the guys for even, they were obedient. Again, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were, they were just doing what I told them to do. He's not, he's not condemning. He's just saying this was the higher and better decision that in the midst of having all these other reasons not to come back, he stopped and came back. So question, if, if you look at your life, okay, and again, this is where you get in the weeds with each other, right? Is your life characterized more by the guy who finds a way to stop and come back? Or is it more characterized by just getting on with selfish life? Is it characterized by complaining or constantly being in a place of stuff's always wrong, something's always not right? Is it a posture of gratitude or a posture of I'm getting on to the next thing, I'm finding a way not to have to say anything to God or anybody else? super convicting question. It is for me. I mean, if we, if we could hook you up to a thankometer of some kind, like Hume had enough money to like get a thankometer, right? And, and we, could, we could like see right up here on the screen where you're at in relationship to the idea of gratitude. And, or we could, we could talk to your wife or your kids if you're, if you're married or your closest friends or coworkers. What would they say? That was the stuff that started to really bother me as I thought about it. And I'm not talking about just being polite. I'm not talking about saying thank you because somebody holds the door when you walk through, although that might be part of it as well. This is something that's deeper. It's an inner posture that says the way I'm viewing the world is, is, is tilted towards gratitude or it's tilted towards always being dissatisfied. a guy named Cicero. I want to get this right. Cicero was an old Roman philosopher, and he said this. He said, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, it's not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. Gratitude is not only the greatest of the virtues, but the parent of all the others. What does that mean? Somebody else. Let's do this. Somebody that hasn't spoken yet, even. From this side. I want to hear from this side. Top of the list. Why is it at the top of the list? And what does he mean when he says it's the parent of all other virtues? Okay. He says you won't, you won't develop other positive traits, other positive virtues, if you don't start with gratitude. The, gratitude gives birth to the other virtues. I think that's a super interesting idea. There's a guy named Mike Zigarelli, and Cicero wasn't even talking about this, I don't think, as a Christian. But there was a guy named Mike Zigarelli, and this was back in 2005. He did a study of 5,000 Christians, okay? And he was, trying to, he was trying to evaluate what is it 
that separates mature Christians or, or people that just give off that distinct aroma of Christ versus those who don't. They align themselves with Jesus, but they don't give off the same kind of aroma. Okay, that's what he was after in studying. This is what he said. His conclusion was that a mindset of gratitude is by far the top factor in developing a Christ-like character because it spawns joy and peace, patience, forgiveness, self-control, the other fruits of the Spirit. That's what he found, that the people that were marked by the fruits of the Spirit were always also marked by gratitude. It started there, a posture, an inner posture of gratitude towards God. In fact, he said one of, the, one of our chief aims in discipleship, and Eric's going to talk about discipleship here in this next session, should be growing and cultivating our sense of gratitude. Like, it's not just something that's just automatically going to happen, but it's an intentional choice to put ourselves in almost a workout room of growing in the way we view the world through eyes of gratitude. So, this is what I, I would do this for myself. I want to ask myself, why is it so difficult to be thankful? Because I'm not that way, naturally. I'm not. When you think about it, even just all the aspects of our lives, you know, our, our soul going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God said to Adam and Eve, you're going to have everything in this garden except don't, don't go by that tree, right? Do not eat the fruit off this tree. You, but you can have all this. I don't think we think about that enough. Like all this was probably pretty daggone good, <laughs> right? When God up to this point has said that everything that he has done is nothing but good, okay? You can have it all, just don't have this tree. So what do they do? There's something inside their soul that, no, I need what's on that tree. I'm not satisfied with the rest of this. When you think about it, our, our physio physiology, our body is constantly needing to be replenished. Our body is constantly... From the time that we eat or rest on, it is in a slow decline towards, I need more food, I need more rest. Our body is, is actually telling us it's not content. It's not satisfied. I need something to be whole again. Again, I'm not even saying that's necessarily bad. I'm just saying this is why it may be difficult to be thankful or have an attitude of gratitude. Our body is, telling, is always telling us it's not. Our emotions, uh, I read this article, and again, you guys get this. Like, we're on a quest for constant emotional highs. You're not looking for emotional lows, are you? Right? You with me? I mean, I live in Ohio, but I'm assuming in California, you want to feel good as much as possible. Okay? It just makes sense. So we're constantly, like, in a, at a quest for feeling good and feeling dissatisfied with what this, what this moment feels like. I want something more. I want to feel better. And then I thought even just our whole American culture... Our, our, our economic culture is constantly telling us what you have right now is not good enough. you got to get a better one. Like just outside my door today, I don't know which one of you guys it is, but I saw this tan truck. Like I got a great truck, but I saw this tan truck. As I walked out the door, I was like, I like that. <laughs> I like that, right? Like you just, we're constantly being offered the next and the best, and it's like whatever you got right now, we got something coming that's going to let you know you're not satisfied, right? That's how the whole system's rigged. So just think about that, you guys. We are constantly swimming just in the way we're wired and in the waters that we live in to constantly be pressed towards dissatisfaction and a lack of gratitude. 
I made this list for myself too, and just asking myself, like, what are what are some of just my personal um, gratitude robbers or blockers? Like, I think of pride. You know, that life is all about me. It's kind of what you were saying, right? I just think life is all about me. So if something good happens or there's some positive thing that that comes along, it's easy just to think, yeah, of course, right? Just naturally. Mine doesn't naturally go to who is there to thank for this opportunity. No, no, this is me. Or sometimes it's, it's a problem of comparison. Even like what I was just saying about the truck, life is actually all about you. I'm constantly chasing you around trying to compare myself to what you have or don't have and, and wishing I had something better because of what I see going on in other people's lives. So comparison can be a gratitude blocker. What else, what else might be on the list for you? I got a few more that I'll throw out here, but let's see if you maybe even, Sam, go ahead. Envy. Envy, which is similar to comparison, I think, right? It's like I'm, I want what you have or I'm longing for something I don't. What do you mean by that? He said it makes us vulnerable. Okay, it's a, yeah, admitting that I need something else. Go ahead. Okay, it's forgetting what God has done and just thinking that, that I'm the one that's doing it. Right. It's like God's, God's got me, so it's, you know, it's equal to that. It was nothing I could have done to do that. Okay, you know? amen. And, and, and because of him that I, I, you know, I'm sitting at the table today, but if I, if I get in the wrong thinking, I might think I'm doing it myself. Okay, good. If it's something I'm doing, you know, I have to remember every day that I can't do this for Okay, so he said God got him sober six years ago, and if he stops thinking about that, he might start thinking, I'm the one that did this for myself. And you get in all kinds of trouble when you start going down that path, right? Arrogance. I'll talk about arrogance. What do you mean by that? Yeah, he said arrogance, and just I like that idea, just meaning I'm self-made. Like everything that comes in my direction is because of something that I'm doing, similar to what my man said over here. Nice and loud. I think uh, a lot of it comes back to pride. I, I lack humility. Okay. So when I'm lacking pride, what I do is I delegate duties to people. Yeah. So for me to be humble is vulnerable. Really, because I think I'm creating self-humility. It's a God gift for me. Yeah, good. Good. So he just, he just introduced the, just the word humility. It is just a lack of humility. How about this? I wrote down for myself just unmet expectations. Like I show up and I, and I want things to be a certain way and they're not a certain way. So instead of being grateful for what is there, you know, it could happen even when you show up at a retreat like this, right? It's the first time you've been and guys have been talking it up and you get here and you're like, dang, that's what my mattress feels like. Right? Or you've been talking about how good the air is out here, and like I felt like I smoked like five packs of cigarettes on the way up here. Like what? Right? With the smoke, like is that normal? And right, you're my just unmet expectations all the time. I said lust, a lust for more. We've already talked about that. Or, or living in a as soon as I get this, like this is good now, but as soon as I get to this spot, 
then I'll, then I'll be grateful. Then, in fact, then I'll, then I'll be content. Like, ooh, yeah, I see you guys nodding, right? We know that one, right? As soon as I get to this stage of life, as soon as I find somebody to be married to, as soon as I break up with this person, as soon as I, right, like it, as soon as I get this level of income, oh, I get this level of income, and guess what? I kind of need this level of income now. And it's like you start getting trapped in this game of constantly pursuing instead of being able just to appreciate where we're at. Here's one more word we haven't said that is big to me, just entitlement. And maybe we did say this already. I just deserve this. Like, I deserve to be treated differently. And so, again, it, it can happen anywhere that you show up in life. Instead of being grateful and having a posture of, I'm just, I'm just glad for this moment and what I have, I should get to speak more than Eric. Yeah, I should be in a, I should be, shouldn't I be in the nicer place when I show up? I'm not actually thinking that. I actually, I'm really just glad to be here with Eric, but just go with me, right? I have showed up in different settings, though, where that's crept up in me with different people. I should be paid more for this moment where you, you were at a place where you were just glad that you had a job to begin with, or you got asked to speak, or you got asked to do whatever, and now that you've done it a few times, it's like, Okay, guys, so all of that stuff gets in the way. It robs us of our ability to experience gratitude. That's why it becomes a workout to say, I'm gonna, I, you need to become aware of all that kind of stuff inside yourself. Like, what's your list of what gets in the way for you? It's, it's probably stuff from that list, and maybe there's some other things too, right? Jesus says, remember, Jesus is like, I, I acknowledge the list. I know I created you. I know what's going on. One of the characteristics that will mark God's people is that they will be grateful. Because everybody has that list of reasons why they're not. Okay? I saw this. It said, uh, I was sitting in a doctor's office and came across this and wrote it down. It said, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot always wanting what is not. Everybody is like that. So it totally makes sense then that God is saying, okay, that's the flow. That's, that's, that's what it means to be human. So people who become Jesus people and are marked by my spirit will look different from that. They'll become countercultural. They will stand out because in spite of the list, They've exercised a muscle that chooses gratitude, okay? Let's do a little Bible work, a little more Bible work, and then we'll stop. Because you start to see this all over the place. That, that, that maybe this is why God places such an emphasis on it as a virtue for his people. And you start to see it on, I'm not going to say every page, but you see it a lot now in Scripture. And maybe this is even the kind of word that just kind of becomes almost so cliche almost, and you just don't think about it. And that's what I'm saying, that we almost think that thanksgiving or gratitude is just this optional thing. But the writers of Scripture seem to say, no, it is fundamental. I like what Brandon did yesterday when, when he said it's almost like a ticket into the, house, into the house of God to come with gratitude and thanksgiving. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19, and maybe just write these down. We're going to look at a couple different verses, and I just want you to kind of see like a diamond the way Gratitude and thanksgiving gets talked about 
in the Bible from these different directions and why it's important. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. You keep coming back to this attitude of prayer. And then give thanks in all circumstances. Get this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's not saying give thanks for all circumstances. He's not saying you can't be upset about things or negative things that are happening. He's not saying that, that when bad things happen, you have to act like they're not bad. He's saying in all circumstances, you give thanks. Because why? Because this is the will of God for you. So it's interesting because I work with college students all the time, and so inevitably we end up having conversations about what they're going to do next in their life. Maybe some of you guys are on a transition time right now, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do vocationally. Legitimate uh, request of God. Like, what do you want me to do? And what I've learned over the years of 30 years of interacting with people is I don't know nearly as much as I thought that I knew when I started 30 years ago. Right When I'd be able to give all kinds of advice about what's next and should be next, and it's like, I don't know. I'm going to listen with you and try to listen to what God's doing in your life and how he's wired you. But this is what I can tell you for sure is his will. You want to know what his will is? That today, even in the midst of the uncertainty, you would find a way to be grateful for the moment. Like seriously, that's like this breakthrough kind of idea. Today, as you're seeking God for what his will is for your for your larger life, today his will for you is that things that come along, you would choose gratitude. How about this one? How about, how about Philippians 4, 6, and 7? This is a good one to write down. Remember, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, along with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Don't, don't be anxious about anything, which, again, that just sounds almost impossible. But he's, he's saying, give it to God. Talk to God about what it is you're concerned about. Talk to him about what you're struggling with. Talk, talk to him about the negative thing. He's not saying you have to run away from that, but bring it to him and do it with thanksgiving. Which means, God, this is what I'm concerned about. This is what I see happening in my life that I don't like. This is what I'm struggling with but I can see this to be thankful for right now as well. Thanks for giving me a clear mind. Thanks for giving me air in my lungs, right? Again, we're just getting back to the basic stuff. Thanks for giving me another day of life to even be in the struggle. Help me to be used by you in some kind of way. Always bring it with thanksgiving. Philippians 2, a couple more we'll look at. Philippians 2, 12 through 14. Philippians 2, 12 through 14. I'm going to go over here because I want to read this one. Girls eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Somebody, that's good. Somebody taught me that a long time ago. I've never forgotten it. That's how I find where I'm at. Girls eat popcorn. Philippians. Don't think about that one too hard, fellas. Could use go, could use guys. It was back in my college days. Philippians 2, 12 through 14. Okay. It says, therefore, my beloved, this is Paul again, as you've always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Love that passage right there. 
You work out your salvation by making choices, by putting yourself, by drawing lines like we talked about last night, by going deeper in understanding his word. He says, you work it out, but it's God who's at work in you, okay? All the time. You got that going on. Super cool. But then get this, what he says. He's talking about working out your salvation. Do all things without grumbling or complaining that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Get this. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Super interesting, guys. Like he says, it's, it's, it's almost an evangelistic strategy that as you're working out the salvation that God is working out in you, your choice to not be a grumbler and a complainer would actually cause you to shine as a light against the backdrop of a world that does nothing but that. Super cool. I saw an article in uh, Time Magazine or one of the old news magazines. I wrote this title down or the cover a long time ago. It said, Grumblers, Whiners, and Crybabies. What's happened to the American character? Just a few years ago, I guess as a people, we're just characterized by grumbling and complaining. Paul said 2,000 years ago, you'll shine like a light if you intentionally find choose not to grumble and complain and instead find ways to be grateful. Let's look at one more, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Again, Paul says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. So he's exhorting them, keep getting up, become conscious of his presence, and be rooted, right? You, you want your roots, the tree's roots go down deep so that you can become a strong person in the Lord. Keep going. It says, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So he directly connects this idea of, of abounding in thanksgiving as being tied to your walk with God and your roots going down deep. It's tied to the idea of being a thankful person who chooses gratitude. Like it's fundamentally critical to have it. If I asked you, this is so interesting, if I asked you how you were doing spiritually, and I have these conversations with kids all the time too, I ask you how you're doing spiritually, what categories come into your mind right away for how you would evaluate yourself? I know the usuals, at least even what comes naturally into my mind is my prayer life or uh, how much time am I spending in the word or whether or not I'm going to church or which are, you know, totally legitimate categories. But the whole purpose of going to church or spending time in the word is actually that I would become the type of person who's grateful. Like that's the whole point. So, so what this passage even that Paul just showed us is saying, look, do you want to really want to know how you're doing? You need to check yourself on the thankometer. You need to check your heart because if you're not experiencing or you're, your posture is something less than grateful, then that's saying something about your soul, okay? And what your walk with God looks like. Again, I'm not saying this for the purpose of shame. I'm saying he's, they're saying adjust, adjust, Christian, and choose gratitude. Three more thoughts, and then we'll stop. 
or at least I, maybe I'll get a little feedback from you. This is what I wrote down to myself some time ago, and I keep reminding myself of this. Thankfulness implicitly acknowledges God's sovereignty. This, again, we're talking about why this is important. Thankfulness or having an attitude of gratitude, a posture of gratitude, is implicitly acknowledging God's sovereignty. Again, it's saying no matter what has come my way, no matter what it is that's going on, I may not like it. Again, I'm not talking about becoming a phony person. I can admit that I don't like it, but ultimately what I'm saying is nothing comes my way that's not either allowed by you or it's part of your plan in some kind of way. That's what we're saying. And so my choice, my choice to acknowledge that I don't like something, but then to turn around and say, but I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to believe that whatever is coming my way is either for my good or your glory at the end of the day. Look, fellas, which is super difficult. I mean, it's easy to kind of say that in a Jesus conference, but again, let's just be honest. Like, that's difficult to say. It's difficult to say when you're facing unemployment, when you're struggling with addictions of some kind, when, when you, your wife just left you, or you just got a divorce, or maybe a, chi- a child died, or you've been in a horrible accident of some kind that has, like, irreparably changed the direction of your life. Like, that's the real stuff that happens. An attitude of gratitude in the midst of whatever happens is saying, God, I'm saying something about you. I acknowledge that you're in control. Thankfulness, though, also flows from a transformed heart. Think about this. It flows from a transformed heart. So it's not that I'm just going to try to be a grateful person now. I actually do need to be in the word because as he changes me and he gives me a new perspective on life and he helps me to see the bigger picture that we've been talking about and he sees that I keep being shown it's really not me, okay, that changes who I am on the inside. So it's not just a matter of, of trying to be something different. It's a matter of submitting myself to what God is saying is true and allowing that to make me a different person inside. Um, Yeah, I am going to look at this. I'm in Colossians 3, because I'm already there. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. 15 through 17, Colossians 3. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And get this, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what transforms us teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because those, those change us on the inside. Get this, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, three times he's saying, as you, as, you, as you let the word of Christ dwell richly inside of you, it should produce. He says it three times. It should produce a posture of thanksgiving as he changes you. But then third, thankfulness is literally something we do need to practice. It's an acquired skill. It's an issue of muscle memory. It is. It's, it's a way of viewing the world that becomes a choice, a, a mental and spiritual discipline. 
It's choosing to notice the little taken for granted things that could or should become objects of our thanksgiving, but often we don't even pay attention to. And I wrote this to myself a long time ago. If I haven't trained myself to intentionally offer thanks when good things are coming my way, I'm going to be way less likely to be able to thank God for the challenges. So I'm a, I am a cup half empty kind of dude by nature. I just am. Like everything that we've talked about is coming out of my own experience of being a whiner. Of, of never just being okay with the way things are, all that stuff. So this is, in 2004, I got in a terrible car accident, okay? A, a truck came up alongside me and clipped the back of my van. I rolled a bunch of times, had to be life flighted. It happened down in Florida, and it tore up my leg. So I don't even know if you guys noticed. Like, normally I'm limping a ton. I don't have an Achilles tendon in my right leg anymore. So, you know, we were talking about sports and everything. Never been able to really play basketball again. Never was... You know, just can't do any of the stuff that I've always done. I'm in a sport ministry, you know, so sports, sports has always been important to me and even a part of my identity in that world, right? So really messed me up. I get infections all the time. I've got an antibiotic with me right now in anticipation of another infection starting because whenever I travel or stand a ton on it, I get sick. There's still compromise in the skin. It's messed up. Don't come up with solutions. I don't want to hear them. I've been listening to them for 20 years. You don't know how to fix it, okay? <laughs> you don't know how to fix it. God is just, for whatever reason, okay? And so, fellas, every day, maybe, maybe this is even, maybe this is part of what triggered it. I live with a cup half full person, my wife, and so I think that's part of it, and kids, and just different things, right, that start to, they, they start to change you. But this accident has been a huge part of my transformation because every day I get up, and I remember even one pastor asking me, why did I think that God allowed this to happen? Pretty soon after the accident, actually, it was really kind of an annoying question. It's like, I didn't know two weeks after it happened, and I don't know 20 years after it I really don't, I have no idea. There hasn't been any clear, you know, you know how sometimes bad things happen and sometime in the next few years you see like, oh man, that's what that was all about. God hasn't given me that. I'm just sick all the time, okay? And talking about cutting it off, like me and Eric actually had this conversation a few months ago with our wives, like is it time to cut my foot off, right? Which I don't wanna do that. So every day, every day I get up and I'm reminded that my leg situation sucks. And every day I have this opportunity to dwell on that and to rehearse it and to, you know, like I meet people all the time and I'm like, this dude, he doesn't care about sports. He doesn't care about, why has he got two good legs? <laughs> like, I know I think about that, right? Like stuff just comes through my mind. Like why does this dude get to walk around and, and be normal that way, right? And, and, and why can't I do this? And why can't I do that? And my son was a really good basketball player and I've never got to play with him. And da, 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 da. Or I can confront that right out of the gate and say, God, it hurts. I don't like it. Don't know what you're doing. Glad I can stand. God, I don't like it. It hurts. I don't like this. I don't like being sick. Again, I'm, I get to speak, man, at Hume Lake. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, kill, I can die. Seriously, fellas, like, I, this, this is life to me. And I'm standing up here right now, right? 
oh, and I can, I can ride a bike. I can't walk around the lake, but, man, I can get on a bike. No, we're not really supposed to ride bikes on the path, but I can ride a bike on the path if nobody sees me, right? <laughs> right? And, and so, right? And so it's a choice. It really is. I can be complaining about the mattress, or I can say I'm one of like a couple hundred dudes that got to come and be part of this thing this weekend with all these guys, right? I mean, and just on and on and on, right? You know, you, you, get, you get what I'm saying. So what ends up happening is, and why I call this an issue of muscle memory is, as you start to practice that, just like any other spiritual discipline, right? You start to practice it. It's actually, even though by nature I'm a whiner and I got this list of all these reasons to never be satisfied and all that stuff that's real, if you practice in the gym of I'm going to choose gratitude, I'm going to start seeing small things. It starts to become more natural. It's supposed to. Like, that's what God's saying. As you grow, it should start to become more natural to where I don't even know that I want to keep Maybe I will always be a cup half empty person, okay? But I don't know that I want to keep labeling myself that way. I hope I'm not known that way. I hope as you watch me, as you get a chance to interact with me, you would be surprised as I'll get out to find out <laughs> that I can complain with the best of them. And just call, like, I get celebrated for my pursuit of continuous improvement, right? We celebrate that in the business world. No, I'm a whiner, and I don't like the way things are, and I'm always unsatisfied with it. But I'm learning to be a grateful person. I saw uh, this Michael J. Fox quote. He said, um, with gratitude, optimism becomes sustainable. Write that down. That's Michael J. Fox, who has Parkinson's, right? Been sick for a long time. With gratitude, optimism becomes sustainable. I was thinking about that again this morning because I've talked so much even this weekend about living in a time where it's not a particularly optimistic time right now, is it? But when you choose gratitude, even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of the muck, optimism can become sustainable. If you're a Christian and you know how this thing ends, you can keep a mentality that says, every day you give me, God, let me be in Christ in such a way that today I reflect a heart that's been transformed by you, not by me. And it shows up in my choice to express gratitude. With me? Okay. Last thoughts. Is anybody sitting on anything they want to say? This is always dangerous in a room like this. I will cut you off if you start talking too long. But do you have a thought or just something that God is stirring in your, your own soul as you listen to this? Good. Nice and loud. He said he loves a, a, a chorus. Okay, a song by Third Day that says, I will give you my life. That's all I have to give because you gave your life for me. And you just, why do you like that? What, what does that have to do with even what we just talked about? Give, give us a couple more sentences. Why is that important to you? Good. He says we don't serve God to earn our salvation, but we serve him out of gratitude because of what he's done for us. 
Yeah, again, that's just like fundamental, right? But I need to be reminded of that. Good. Good. Anything else? Good. Yeah. 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 Good word. He's saying he, he said, you know, I'm, I end up complaining about what I think I deserve. But if I got what I deserved, it would end really poorly for me. Right. Yeah. Good word. Are you coming up here to attack me right now? Or are you? Okay, you come up in the back. Turn around, nice and loud, nice and loud. I went to City Hall Hospital, and they found a mass in my stomach. And I thought that was another thing. Are you crazy? Pretty simple. I've been to CERT, MRIs, and two weeks ago, my doctor told me I can't find my pink very cool. Very cool. So he, he, yeah, he, he had a, because not everybody can hear. Folks are clapping, and the guys in the back are like, what are they? All right. He said he had a mass inside of himself, and he was afraid that he had cancer, and came here, and people prayed for him, and now they can't find evidence of the mass. And you feel grateful for that. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good word. Thank you for coming up here. And, of course, the trick would be, I'm going to come back over here. The trick will be that when the mass is found and it turns out that you die in two weeks, what are those last two weeks like for you? In, in all circumstances, whether, whether you get freed from it or you don't. Somebody came up and was talking before here about his son that was suffering with leukemia for three and a half years. They, I'm sure they prayed. We had a friend, one of the most dear women in our life. We prayed, and God took her. And, and somehow in the midst of that, everything that we've said is still true. We, we, we thank him and praise him when he gives us relief for another period of time. And we thank him and praise him for, for the life that was and for the opportunity to still be faithful in the midst of things not going the way we want them to go. And those are different kinds of people, man. So those are people that, that, that uh, people are like, what, what's that? How do you do that? Like, where's that from? Last word. Who's got their hand up over here? Okay, you get the last word. I always know whatever happens in my life, I'm grateful, and God always has a plan. No matter what happens in your life, he'll always show that to you, no matter what you do. Okay, right on. Cling to that. Always be grateful. Always trust God's plan. Lord, help us, whatever this has meant to different ears and different minds and different hearts in here, would you cause your word to grow in us? Help us to be more genuine. We're not talking about being fakers. Help us to be genuine about what's really in our heart. And would you change that? Would you, as we've said, you're the one we trust that makes, the, that makes us become something different than what we would be on our own. So help us to do that. Help us to be characterized by gratitude. And to get stronger at that, help us to grow up when it comes to this idea. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Thanks, guys.